All right, welcome back to another live episode of Universe the Game. I'm your host, Nick Zai, and today, today, is actually a really good one because this is about the original thought of creation. What is the original? We did an episode called The Beginning of Everything, and that is actually going to be a supplemental episode to this. But the original thought was actually something that was mentioned in the very first, the very first session ever recorded during the Law of One. So I thought it was important to hit it by itself because honestly, it brings me so much peace, so much peace to understand this concept. So I'm going to give you the definitions from the Law of One website of the original thought and give you some supplemental material from the Law of One to explain this in depth, all right? So if you haven't seen the beginning of everything episode, I would definitely recommend after you watch this, going to check that out because it's a lot of similar. Of course, you find that none of these episodes of Universe the Game are actually the same, that they very much differ because I don't really use the same, the same questions or the same number from the Law of One. You'll more than likely you won't see me use the same session one, question three, session one, question four. I usually will do, if I do want to, I hit it mostly from one angle and then I'll just move on. So this one's going to be some that we haven't ever talked about before, including the first session. So let's get into that and explain what the original thought is. All right. So session one, question one, the confederation of planets in service of the infinite creator has only one important statement. Okay. So this is probably important if you're saying they have only one important thing. So the rest of the love one doesn't matter. It's so <laughs> just this, just this. All right. So that statement, my friends, as you know, is all things, all of life, all of the creation is part of one original thought. One original thought, end quote. Okay. So the, there's more to that question, but I just wanted to give you the part about the original thought and we'll go into the rest. In just a second. So this is the definition of the original thought from the Law of One website. Okay. The original thought. According to Ra, the Logos, the generation by the creator of itself into the plenium or the plenum through which it may know itself. The harvest of all previous experience of the creator by the creator. Okay, so if that didn't make any sense, how I view this is that there was one original thought and the original thought was for the creator to know itself. That's why it's the generation of the creator of itself into the planet plenum. We'll call it plenum. I don't know the exact definition of that. I should have actually listened to the audio to get that. I thought it was plenium for some reason, but it really doesn't matter. Semantics, right? So into, let's just say into the universes, through which it may know itself. So the creator put itself into the universe so it could know itself. That was the original thought. So it had to create separation in order for the creator to know itself. But it, the creator isn't outside of you because it is you. And that's all that's happening is that you are exploring yourself. I mean, that takes a little bit of weight off. And if it doesn't take any weight off yet, I'm going to give you some more as to how that will take weight off with some further on questions, okay? Or quotes from the Law of One, really. So a summary of the original thought to me is that you created other versions of you or you split yourself up an infinite amount of times 
to know yourself. Or as in the quote says, quote, for which it may know itself. The harvest of all previous experience of the creator by the creator. So you harvest your own knowledge so that you gain wisdom about what you are. That's every, that's like very, very much at the beginning. Like we're talking about, I feel like it doesn't get more um, highly advanced than this. This is, this is pretty close to as far as it gets to me. And of course there's going to be more technical information. Yes. But we're talking about the beginning of time, beginning of everything. This is really important to understand. So, Platinum, an assembly of all members of a group. Okay. And that makes sense. Appreciate that, Chrissy. So, if that's the definition of plenum, then in that quote, just to go back for, to, for a hot second, the generation by the creator of itself into the assembly or group of members through which it may know itself. Okay. That's why I love doing this live, because you guys are amazing. Coming in hot with the definitions. Okay. I should have had that in there. So I appreciate that. Looking out for each other. All right. <laughs> so this is part of the session one, question one continued. This is Ra's answer. But the question, it, it really, really wasn't a question. It was just the first thing that came through. Okay. So let us for a moment consider thought. What is it, my friends, to take thought? Took you then thought today? What thoughts did you think today? What thoughts were part of the original thought today? How many of your thoughts did the creation abide? Was love contained? And was service freely given? Okay, that is a lot of questions. I feel like I don't really need to explain that because that's one of the very rare times that the law of one talks in terms I feel like is pretty understandable. It's asking you, like, what are your thoughts about today? Do you, do you understand the concept of a thought? And it goes further into it because it, it makes sense when you finish the quote. You are not part of a material, material universe. You are not part of a material universe, which is very important to the concept. Uh, on a side note, real quick, very important to the concept of universe, a game. Everything is energy. Everything is a game. What is the game? The creator knowing itself, which is you. That the creator is not outside of you knowing you as not it, because you are it. You are that. But you are not part of a material universe. Okay, quote, you are part of a thought. You are dancing in a ballroom in which there are no material. In which there is no material. You are dancing thoughts. You move your body, your mind, and your spirit in somewhat eccentric patterns. For you have not completely grasped the concept that you are part of the original thought. Okay, so you are a thought. How does that make sense? Okay, we're not talking T-H-O-T. <laughs> we're talking, we're talking thinking thoughts. Okay, if you're listening to audio. All right, don't get it twisted. <laughs> so you're dancing in a ballroom in which there is no material. So think about yourself as a thought of creation. As a, as I don't know if I put this quote in here and if I did, we'll get to it, but tone poem. You are a tone poem of thoughts. And that your 
you cannot be doing your purpose because your purpose is knowing yourself. And knowing yourself doesn't necessarily mean you're just knowing the good things or just the bad things. You're knowing everything. So when we talk about the original thought of creation, it literally means everything about you. So don't think that you are not worthy because you are this or you are that because you've done these things because you've done these things. All of that is irrelevant to the original purpose of why you exist. And you exist because you wanted, you as the creator of everything wanted to know yourself. So you split yourself up into billions, a trillions, an infinite amount of pieces that didn't know anything about itself. And you're on that journey from discovering, or you're on that journey from beginning at the beginning, which really means you know nothing. You are completely unaware of your own divinity. You're moving to this place where now you know yourself completely as divinity itself. Because you can be aware and you, then there's intelligent awareness. There's a difference between the two. I would call the negative side aware, and then I would call the positive side intelligently aware of its own divinity in its fullness, because you've accepted the heart, the green ray energy, the selflessness, others, not just yourself. Because when you accept just yourself, that's not fully intelligent in my definition of intelligence. Because you're only in service to yourself when you live your life in service to yourself only. But of course, it's paradoxical in one sense. But what I'm talking about is negative polarity and the positive polarity. And if you are confused and this is one of the first episodes you've watched, I guarantee it will completely help you. Not completely, but it'll help you if you go check out the episodes on the negative and the positive that we did on Universal Game here, okay? So a little bit of prerequisite knowledge there with the two twofold path. But what I'm saying is that you are learning about yourself and there's nothing that you can do wrong because everything that you're doing is a potential of yourself and you're actualizing that potential in every moment and just because you're doing these things right now doesn't mean that it's wrong like for example if you're struggling right now it's not wrong for you to struggle it's actually just part of knowing yourself because part of yourself is struggle there is a potential for struggle within you and there's also a potential to not struggle or to persevere you know, well, struggle, by the way, struggle doesn't mean that you're not persevering. Because if you're struggling and you're still persevering, those are synonymous. That struggling, I, f I feel like it's hard to find an opposite in wording. Let's just say the opposite of struggling could be doing well. Okay. So you're doing well or you're struggling. Either one's not better or worse because it's all part of you knowing yourself. So what I mean when I say you're a tone poem is that you're you could go up in the levels of consciousness to enlightenment, and then you could come down to shame, and then you can go up to courage. You could, you know, you could reach acceptance, logic, then go down to anger. It that's what that that's what a tone poem is. Imagine, you know, if you can think about a heart monitor. If you uh, don't know music, obviously musical notes, and if you know how to read music, that would be a really good visualization of a tone poem. That it just kind of goes up and down, up and down. But also think about how if you have a heart monitor, it goes like this, right? Imagine that you had the free will to create whatever you wanted to, whatever lines you wanted to. You're on a timeline. I'm saying heart monitor because there's a beginning and there's an ending that we know of on the screen. Imagine that the beginning of your life is the beginning of your tone poem for this life. And the ending 
is at the very end, it's the ending of this particular tone poem. It doesn't mean that you don't go on afterward. It just means that on the screen or in this body, you have this poem that you're going to play. So whatever you decide to play that poem as is up to you, and it's beautiful no matter how you do it. At the highest level, okay, we're not talking about all of the dualistic suffering right now because that's a lot of the times how lower levels of consciousness will see this. What about suffering? What about this? What about all these bad things that happen? We're talking about high level understandings here, okay? So when we remove ourselves from that and we see the oneness of all creation, this is what we're talking about. So when we think about a tone poem, I hope that you see that you are dancing thoughts, as the law of one says. You move your body, your mind, and your spirit in somewhat eccentric patterns. You have not completely grasped the concept that you are part of the original thought. Because if you have grasped the concept, then you would probably not do, or you would be in a higher level of consciousness in which you're not going to move all the way up and down as much because you've realized the true nature of yourself. So you'd be at a higher level of consciousness, which again, isn't better or worse. It just is. So session 13, question six, from this infinity, then must have come what we experience as creation. What was the next step or the next evolvement? Ra, infinity became aware. This was the next step. And this is so important. And I didn't, I did actually do this one in the beginning of everything episode, because I feel like this quote really brings it all home, wraps it all up together. All everything is, in one sense, is infinity becoming aware of itself. Again, infinity isn't, isn't completely realized. I mean, it is realized, but it's not completely realized until it has full awareness. And that's the game. That's what I'm saying the game is. From complete unawareness to full awareness of your own divinity. So session one, question 10. There is nothing else which is of aid in demonstrating the original thought except your very being. Let me say that again, because this is what this entire quote is about, and it's beautiful. We really get this. There is nothing else which is of aid in demonstrating the original thought except your very being. There's nothing that will help you demonstrate the original thought better than what you are, your being. And this is huge. This is huge because... The goal of this episode for me is to help you to see if you haven't gotten there yet or even give you a greater understanding, even if you are there from the law of one perspective, that your being is enough, that the original thought is happening through your being. This is why you are worthy without doing anything. This is why you're worthy with, without anything else besides your state of being. And it's not that you aren't worthy if your state of being is in a low level. It's actually on the highest level, there's, you can't not be worthy because you are the original creator itself. You just haven't realized it yet. And that's, this is why you can have one, according to levels of consciousness with Dr. David Hawkins, I believe that you can have one avatar, one being that reaches the highest level of consciousness available in the body, and they can mitigate all of the human suffering on the entire planet by themselves. I'm, I'm pretty sure that is a quote from... I think power versus force. So understand that it is important. You are important in this and you are just as important as everyone else. But there's one thing that I, I do want to relay to you that I feel like people will get confused on. 
and I, I'll I'll do a whole episode on this because I feel like this is one that's really important for me to relay because I see a lot of people suffering with this. People will come across this concept and they'll think that, oh, so you think you're God. And I think there's a very subtle difference between the two things that we're talking about here. The unified being understands that it is God, but so is everything else. And then the service to self being, or the negative polarized being, thinks that it is God and no one else is. So when someone says that I am one with God, they've realized they are one with all, and that is very different from I am a God or I am the God. So we just have to be very understanding that it's important when we get to these really high levels to understand that we are essentially that infinite creator incarnated, but not just us, everything else is. Because this will, one is unified and one is separate. Because if you're just a creator incarnate and nobody else is, then you're going to treat people very differently than if you understand that everyone else is. And if you practice that and you see that divine light within all as you see it within yourself. Okay, so let's continue with the quote. So I'm going to start again because it's been a while since I said it. There is nothing else which is of aid in demonstrating the original thought except your very being. In the distortions that come from the unexplained, inarticulate, or mystery-clad being are many. Thus, to attempt to discern and weave your way through as many group mind-body-spirit distortions as possible among your peoples in the course of your teaching is a very good effort to make. Okay, that was a run-on sentence if I've ever seen one. So let me, let me say that again. That to attempt to discern and weave your way through as, ma as many groups of distortions as possible among your peoples in the course of your teachings is a very good effort to make. We can speak no more valiantly of your desire to serve. And this goes into another concept, which we will cover in a different, different episode, which is teach slash learning and learn slash teaching, which is part of this, but it's, it was um, a lot longer. So that's going to be by itself. But on a, on a Cliff Notes version, when you reach one other being, just one in your life, and that could be you, as in you, it says in one part of the law of one, there's two different things I'm getting at here. The, the first thing I want to say is that in the law of one, it said, as in many, many other spiritual texts, that the greatest thing you can do to help humanity is realize the divinity within. You realize the oneness within. And so if you were to do this, you help humanity through your aura, through through your energy, and it radiates into the collective consciousness, and it counterbalances the negativity of the planet. And that's huge. And also it says about teach learning, and again, we'll do a different episode, but that there's nothing more valiant to do than that, because what else is there that's worth doing? And that's really something interesting to contemplate. Learning, teaching, and teaching learning. So where, which one are you doing? Which one? Are, and by the way, learning can be learning how to be in a higher state of being, and which means 
really a more aligned with unity or with love. When I say higher, I mean, that's what my definition is. Okay, so session 71, question 12, questioner. Then it seems to me that this, okay, then it seems to me from this that the sub-logos, such as our sun, we talked about that in the sub-logos episode, in the logos episode, uses free will to modify only slightly a much more general idea of created evolution so that the general plan of created evolution, which seems then to be uniform throughout the one infinite creation, is for the process of the sub-logi to grow through the densities and under the first distortion, find their way back to the original thought. Is this correct? Ra, this is correct. Okay, so if that didn't even compute with you at all. So I'm just going to read. I'm going to explain the first part. The sub-logos uses free will to use the plan of evolution because everything is evolution. Consciousness evolution. Not just physical, but consciousness. This is important. So the sub-logos, which is the sun itself, again, distorts and creates. Distort doesn't mean necessarily mean bad in this context. It creates its own version of evolution so that it can grow through all of the densities, which was decided by the galaxy, and throughout the galaxy, then find their way to the original thought, because the original thought was the first distortion. And what is the first distortion? To me, it's intelligent infinity, or it's infinity becoming aware is one of the first distortions. I, I think there might be some semantical stuff on which one is the actual first distortion. And I don't think it really is relevant at this moment because first, second, it's all in an infinite amount of time. So at this point, it really doesn't matter which one was the first. <laughs> what matters is that we understand the concept that the sub-logos, the sun, creates an environment to move through the densities. And we move through the densities so that we can learn about ourselves we turns into I eventually. And Ra is at the state of we because they are the social memory complex of Venus, remember. So then when you get to I, you, I mean, how do I say this? Because sometimes in the law of one, they say, we speak to you in these terms. And so we is just meant as every being of Venus that voluntarily, by the way, chose to come together. Then they use the term I am Ra. So they're one being, but they're the they're the social memory of Venus. And so you're going to have that for each planet eventually, and then each each uh, solar system, and then each galaxy, and then each galaxy coalesces into the Logos, which is the original thought. And the original thought was infinity becoming aware. So at the end of the harvest of everything, the harvest of everything, all the galaxies, and in, in a timeless amount of time, like I can't, there's no way to comprehend that. All of the knowledge of the universe will come into one. And from my current understanding, how that works is that black holes take in information and bring that knowledge to the logos. And the logos is on the other side of the black hole. And um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a physical thing. I wouldn't think that, oh, it's waiting. Like there's this being waiting. No, I'm saying that Imagine that the Logos is outside of the universe because the Logos created the universe. So when we say that the Logos created everything, it's outside of the universe creating the universe. And you could even say that the Logos, if the Logos is one being, then it created the multiverse. And it created all of the universes, basically. 
And so at the end of time, that's what will happen. And we can kind of tell that black holes through current physics will eventually eat everything. And then eventually there's so much time that the black holes will dissipate, supposedly. So I wouldn't really worry about the timeless nature at the very end, but just understand that that the process is, is that things are created, that things move from life to death in a mortal sense to experience the timeless eventually. And how that would work is that the timeless goes into time to experience mortalness. Or better said, the mortal being goes into, okay, the immortal being, the untouchable being from a game sense, loads into the game to play this game in which it could supposedly die, but it actually can't. That's the, that's the whole game in a sense, is that, that's not the whole game, but it's one part of the game. It's that you're... You've loaded yourself into a game so that you could experience what death might be like or what being mortal. Really, it's not really about death. It's about being mortal because with life implies death in the physical sense. And so we understand that there's seasons to life. There's seasons to this game. And so as we go through what we experience as linear time, the original thought plays out, which is, that you go from unawareness of what you are to complete awareness. Every being is doing this. So no matter where they're at, no matter where you're at, it's perfect because that's what's the, the whole plan is to do that. And of course the plan is to get back to love and to get back to an evolved state of unification. And that will happen eventually as the law of one tells us, everyone and everything has the blueprint of the logos within it. Okay, so we will all reach there eventually. But there's nothing else to do but to do this. And so don't try and rush yourself to get to high levels of consciousness. Because accepting where you're at is a key to getting to a higher level. Because if you resist where you're at, then it's going to cause you to stay there, ironically. Because you're saying that that's not good enough. You're saying that the creator didn't create a perfect creation. And which is, you are that creator. So. You are saying that you created yourself imperfect, but I would say that you're perfectly imperfect. Because what is perfection? Perfection is of the beholder. So if you're in a situation where you think your life sucks, been there, I really would like to extend you this invitation to contemplate that you're perfectly where you're at because the goal is not necessarily to get to the end of the song when you, you know, play music. It's to enjoy the entire symphony, even the flat notes, even the, the notes that are like, da, 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 you know, it's so weird. It's not the major key. It's a minor key. Try to think about life like there's major and minor keys and you're going up notes and up and going down. And just because you might be at a, a lower note right now doesn't mean that it's worse. We don't think that bass notes are worse than you know, baritone. They're just what they are. And so as we understand that, we also understand and unify with that which we separate from, which is this shadow self, or even others that we consider to be shadow. And the third density will always be about the original creation. And this is why it's said in the Law of One that the third density is the hardest, and it's a 75,000-year cycle. It's not that long, because 
I mean, you're you are becoming aware the choice is in this density. And so you choose either service to self or service to others. And it's the hardest because there's the most catalyst because there's a suffering of both. In the other densities, you don't have it near to, to this extent. This is the most suffering that happens because there's two different forces that are really opposing each other and they're blatantly obviously happening. And so those are the forces of surviving, the self surviving, and surviving and surviving and helping others another way i would put it that i haven't put it before so the survivalistic ego just wants to survive and and live and that's what the body's programmed to do and the, and the beings that listen to that and actually have their soul distorted towards survival and uh power will choose that negative path then the beings that want to accept the original thought as the entire creation of itself which is love as well because the beings that are in service to others understand, like I understand that, you know, you can gain a lot of power through being in service to yourself. It's not that you don't get it. It's that you understand that you can also live in a way where you serve others and to me gain just as much power and then you're not suffering. But unfortunately, some beings like ple like they enjoy the pleasure of being in service to self because that's how distorted they are. That's how they think. So, you know, when you bypass the heart, of course, that's going to bring you satisfaction. I mean, again, I, I know I talk about this a lot in, in some episodes, but think about the Jedi and the Sith. That the uh, Sith basically always has power or th always is seeking more power and more power because that's how it gets its satisfaction. Because if you don't have love, what do you have? Right, you only have power, and so of course the only thing you're going to live for is power because that's it. That's what you want. Because you know, I'm looking at a chakra tapestry that I've got here, and I'm looking at the green ray center, and I'm just like, that's that's what makes life worth it to me. It's like you can live to get the satisfaction of surviving and having these nice things and great, cool, but to me. At the end, it's not really satisfying to get them because to me, what's satisfying is helping others to see their own divinity, which is why I do what I do, of course. You know, all of us get to choose what we do in our free time, at least right now. And of course, we want to get, a, get to a point where we choose everything that we do. And of course, on some level, we do. But I really just would like to ask you to contemplate where your heart is not open and where are you not accepting the original thought in your life and really uh at this moment i'm asking you to think about that from a perspective from a perspective <laughs> i don't know if you could hear that but think about that from a perspective of like your heart and others like, where are you in the beginning? When we start to help others, we have to get ourselves in a centered place. And so if you don't accept every part of your journey as perfect for you, and you start to think that you are a victim of life, then it becomes very hard to open your heart to it. Because when you're, and again, this will be a whole nother episode. I think this is one of the most important concepts in the spiritual journey. So if you're watching this, if you're, you've made it this far, in this beautiful episode, this is your bonus. 
because I don't talk about this enough and I'm going to start talking about it more. But playing the victim of life and saying that life is doing this to you, that other people are are doing this to you and you have no responsibility for how you're perceiving that. Of course, we want to set boundaries and say that, you know, what we want to experience. But when you take no responsibility for how you're interpreting life and life outside of you and what's happening, this is one of the most important key concepts. Because when you take back your power by saying, I get to transmute that situation to be more loving to others and to myself, because that's not happening now. And of course, again, I, I feel like I spend a lot of time thinking about how could somebody, just on a side note, I spend a lot of time thinking about how, how could somebody distort this? <laughs> and then I'm going to explain that to you. So, because I know there's always going to be beings that have been where I've been in the past where I'm like, well, what about all this stuff BS that's happened to me in my life? Well, yes, that could be BS, but that's just a belief. Like you only, and I'm talking to myself and of course you in the past, because that's all I'm trying to do is here is reach my hand back and, you know, help you to see what I wish I would have seen in that moment that would have helped me. It's like, yes, there's some really annoying things that happen, but it's just your belief that makes it annoying. And you holding on to it being annoying is actually shutting your green ray, your heart center off. And whether or not you think it's annoying, the only person that is suffering because you think it's annoying is you, unless you project that. But you're the only one that's holding on to that pain. Like if somebody else has wronged you or you think they've wronged you, if you're just going to treat them like crap or, or, you know, treat the world like crap because you are upset about reality that it shouldn't be this way, there shouldn't be this much suffering. Again, this is me. I've been there. And I'm not calling you out in particular, you know, just see if it resonates for you. That um, I really wish I would have seen in that moment that I'm the only one that's suffering. And if I can forgive others and forgive myself for, you know, what I've done and understand that a lot of the times when people get angry at you, they take your intentions and they think that your intentions are wrong, but rather, or your intentions were bad, but you know your intentions. If you never meant to hurt anybody, right, you got to stand in your opinion of what you've done. You got to stand in your belief that you did the best for you and for everyone else that you could have in that moment. And so think about this, where, where this applies to your life. You know, there's people in my life that, that I've realized no longer serve me and I've set that boundary. And I'm saying, you know, it's not, it's not gonna work for me because you have treated me this way and I forgive you for that, but it's just not, not for me, not for me. And so that's the balance I'm saying here. You take yourself out of the victim by saying, I'm not the victim of how they treated me anymore because I get the, I have the personal power to decide if I forgive them and where to go from there. Where do I go from here? And I analyze the situation and see, you know, where does my heart sit with it? And if I'm not, I feel like I'm not opening up my heart to them, even though they may have treated me a certain way. This is so important because the highest level beings, because I'm, I'm really all about the highest level teachings in terms of it's not better or more advanced. I mean, it kind of is, but really it's one of the hardest things to do in life. That's what I mean is understand that self-love can be, you know, setting a boundary in the third density. You know, if you don't want to experience, you know, and how this plays out is in a macro scale, if we all set a boundary with, we don't want to experience this, this is where it all comes around. 
we don't want to experience this manipulation. We don't want to feel this manipulation uh, or distortion of power by certain beings or by people we know, or even you know entities that are, have influence over many in, all around the world. You know, we must decide that this is not okay. We can still love and forgive them as they are a part of us. As again, we are talking about high-level teachings that they are a part of us and they're playing their role. But we get to decide when enough is enough. That is what this is all about. And understanding the, the original thought and the service to others path. Because the service to others path is only 50% plus to graduate. And so, you know, it's all, <laughs> you don't have to be 100% loving. You don't have to be 95% service to others. You just have to be more than you are not. So... You don't have to try and be a perfectionist about your life because I've also been there. And you can start to understand that, you know, things serve you uh, on some levels and then sometimes they don't. And when they don't, it's okay to let things go. Whether they be habits, people, patterns, relationships, you know, or even macro relationships with, you know, people out in the external that are trying to say this is what we think is best for you. You just got to set that boundary. Start to use your own discernment and also understand the original thought. See, this is the epitome of me. To me, it's all self-love. Not as in service to self-love, but like I've got to protect my own energy and my own state of being so that I can be in service to others. So it's self-love to say, you know, I don't want to be treated like this. I don't want to be manipulated like this so that I can center and clear myself so I can help others. Because if somebody is, you know, just being uh, ridiculous to you, and you know what that means to you, if they're not treating you how you want to be treated, you can just say, you know, that's enough. enough. And I know that this kind of got very micro here at the end, but I think it's very important, especially when we're thinking about the original thought, because the original thought is also about understanding that affinity became aware of itself and everything is a potential of you. So just because someone is realizing that potential doesn't mean that they're something doesn't mean that they are inherently at the core, not divinity or not a part of you. It just means they've chosen a path. So if we choose a path as humanity and we say we want to go on the positive path, then maybe we just walk the other path. Walk the other path. And as enough of us walk that other path, the positive path of love, peace and harmony, decision's been made. I mean, law of one says the planet's already polarized positive, so we don't even have to make that decision. I mean, we do if we want to graduate, but for the most part, the planet is already going positive, so you don't have to worry about that. And you don't even really have to worry about your own, because if you worry, that's, that's not the point. I feel like that's just an expression. But more what I'm saying is, when you choose that path of service to others, I've generally found that I have more energy when I'm serving others and I'm, and I'm really giving it my all. Like, as I am right now, like, honestly, my nose is itching right now, but as I give my all here, you know, doing all of these YouTube episodes and, you know, Instagram, original Instagram videos and uh, doing TikToks and, you know, making other stuff that I'll be releasing here in the next couple of days that I've been working on a lot behind the scenes, I feel like I have more energy. Like, I honestly think there is some sort of energetic 
you're getting a boost by helping others. Like selflessness gives you energy, which is ironic because a lot of the times we think, oh, well, helping others is going to take away energy from me. But actually, in my own personal experience, I found it to be the opposite. Is that when I help others and I really do it with that intention and I set that intention, I state it out loud. Like before these videos, I'm stating my intention out loud. Like I'm giving it a loka samasta suki no bavatu. I mean, if you know what I mean. <laughs> if you don't, look up what I just said and it'll uh, it'll make sense to you. But, you know, I'm sending prayers and making sure that I have that intention. And I think that's also something that I don't talk about is making sure that your intention is pure or at least analyzing your intention before you do things. You know, when you're posting online, what's your intention? That's a staple in my life. What is my intention for living this way, for doing these things? And when I really solidify my intention, actually the things go much, much better. So anyways, that'll be the end of today's episode. I hope that you enjoyed and got something absolutely valuable from this. And if you did, or if you just liked the episode, give it a like. That way YouTube knows it really helps with the YouTube algorithm stuff. And if you got your own take on today's episode, Drop it down below in the comments. And if you're watching on any podcast platform, I appreciate you very much. All right. And we will see you in the next episode. And until then, peace.